I pray we might not forsake the assembly of ourselves together. We might listen to your word, Lord, and benefit from the fellowship and the joy and the rejoicing we have as we worship a living God. I also pray this morning we might be disciplined in our daily walk and live as Jesus would live and walk as Jesus would walk. Teach us, Lord, to love you and to love one another as Christ has loved us. Now bless this day and bless the precepts of your word to each life today, filling us afresh with thy blessed spirit, Lord, that we may be revived and renewed and we may be a spiritual people by faith in the true and living God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Blessed be your name and all God's people said. Okay, Galatians, Ephesians. All right, if you have little ones with you, and uh, they, they do make a noise, you can go upstairs. There's a whole balcony. It's, a, it's a, a cry room, and you can listen to the message there. You'll still be in touch with us. A little bit out of fellowship because of the window, but you will be able to come uh, into the service with us from there. God bless you. We've been going through the book of Galatians in the past couple of weeks. We've been in chapter 1, where we've seen... There is no other gospel. No matter what people say, there is no other gospel. And what gospel are we talking about? This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul says some very strong words in that passage. If anybody propounds any other gospel, uh, which is not a gospel, he says, let him be anathema. Let him be less than nothing. Can you be less than nothing? Wipe, he says, you should be wiped out. Uh, that, that's the story there. In chapter 2, as we've come together, we've seen that salvation, uh, that grace is sufficient. You can never outgive the grace of God. You could never outsin the grace of God. Amen? His grace is sufficient for each and for every one of us. And of course, the problem Paul had was we did a, did a couple of words. We did grace, we did law, we've done promise. Amen? And today we're coming back to the words promise and law. As we look at them together, we're reminded in chapter 3 that Paul said to the early church of Galatia, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who put you under their spell to believe that you could add anything to your own salvation? Salvation is by grace through faith. That's how you live. You live by grace through faith in Jesus Christ daily to be truly spiritual. Amen. All right. So he comes to the third chapter. And those are the first words that he says to you and to me there. But we're going to go down to just verse 6. He says, Just as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. So it's not only grace and law, but faith comes into operation. How do I receive the grace of God? By faith. You can't receive the grace of God by doing a good work. That's the bottom line. And he says, how did Abraham become a righteous man? By believing God. And I ask you this morning again, your faith in God, does it ignite, as it were, the very principles of God in your life? The minute you believe, God becomes active in your life. Amen? That's the way it works. And so this morning, there's a lot to cover, but I can't cover it all. But just to say this to you, we come all the way down to the 19th verse, and we notice Paul speaks about 
to the Galatian Christians. And he says, you've listened to these Jewish Christians who still follow the law. And you've been led astray as to how to practice your Christian life. You still practice not by keeping the law, but by faith in Christ. Amen. So what's the purpose of the law then? Verse 19. What purpose then does the law serve? And you read it there. That's a question. It was added because of transgressions. So we look at that today. Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now the seed, as you see, it's got a capital S, is the seed that would come through Abraham. Who's that? God gives the seed. God is the seed in Christ. And there would come a time when that seed would come through the line of Abraham, through the Jewish people. Now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. He talks about the law that was given because of transgression. And he shows you and me that there had to be a mediator. We'll talk a little bit about that mediation today. But when Abraham believed God, he put his faith directly in God. He had no mediator. And that's an important understanding there. Verse 21, Is the law then against the promise of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been made by the law. Now he says, you people who are going back and keeping the daily laws and criticizing those who don't keep the law or the ceremonial laws and you're criticizing them because they failed. He said, how did you become righteous? By keeping the law. No, by putting faith in the God of the law. The living God. Amen? So he says this. But the scripture, that's the, the Old Testament. The scripture has confirmed all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ, might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under God by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith had come, we are no longer under the tutor, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abram's seed. And heirs according to the promise. So today as we look together, we, we, we must understand... Very basically to put a background for you That we are saved by grace And we live by grace Hallelujah I trust you've been living by grace And not living under law in these days True spirituality is by grace How come? Because faith in all that Christ did for you Leads you into a relationship with the grace giver That's God himself And the grace happening that happens in your life Is when you believe Christ And those salvation comes to you And a spiritual life is yours And you begin to experience God in those ways Grace happens in your life Hallelujah Alright So Based on the foundation of a true gospel Grace is based on the foundation of a true gospel What is the true gospel? 1 Corinthians 15 verse 3 That Christ died, was buried, and rose again. The gospel of grace is based on those three things. He died, was buried, and rose again. Amen? If he hadn't, 
Christ would be dead. If he hadn't risen again, he would have been dead. Our faith would have been dead. That which we believe would never have brought life within us. Christ could never have come to live in our hearts and in our lives. And so the question is this this morning. What was then the purpose of the law? To, to, to show to you and me today, very, very basically, that nothing can be added to this saving grace, not even the law. You can't add the law to saving grace. Grace on its own is the act of God. Through His gracious mercy and loving kindness, He came to save us. In doing so, you and I can't add works to grace. You and I can't add tradition to grace. You and I can't add, what else is there? Culture to grace. You and I can't add law to grace and say, that works my Christian life. It's by grace through faith that you've been saved. When it comes to the law, there's only the law. But listen to me. When it comes to grace, it's grace received by faith. comes to law, you will only be living under the condemnation of the law. Because the law says, thou shalt not. And unfortunately, we do. We are adulterers. We are liars. We are fornicators. And because that's what we do, we find ourselves exposed by the law and there's no freedom in that is there we have to call on grace and say to God I need your grace your mercy for my sin not your condemnation for my sin and this morning I may be speaking to somebody who fails continually and over and over and over again and you might say in your, within, in your daily walk I'll never make it to heaven no you won't but He will make it through you. He will, only by His grace will you make it to heaven. Amen? It's only through His, un, uh, through his mercy. That's what you rely on. Not what you can do. So I hear you say, so I can just carry on and be a weakling. Carry on in my sin. Oh no. Shall I continue in sin, says Paul, that grace may abound? No, 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 no. No, we don't. We are need to be set free from sin. The difference between grace and law is faith. Faith in the living God and what He does for you and me. Paul says in chapter 1 and verse 8 that the person who adds anything to the gospel is accursed. If you come here and you say, well, I got saved and now I've got Baptist teaching and Baptist laws, that's a curse. You're under a curse. Or you can say, I'm a good reformist. I've got to live like a reformer. Listen to me, you're cursed. The gospel of Jesus Christ got nothing to do with religion. It's got everything to, and, 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 and denominations. It's got everything to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's where it is based. Amen. No denomination, no reformation can save you. Now the teachings of the reformation are good. But some of the doctrines of the reformation are nonsense. And we, but we stick by those traditions. And we say to ourselves, this is where I am. Oh, I've got to do what they say. And let me tell you something. That'll never ever make you truly spiritual. Just makes you wholly religious. So we move on and notice, and I know it's a little difficult for some of you to understand this, but for those of you who've been walking the road with me, I want you to notice that salvation by works is what? It's like a, a salesman I heard of, this poor salesman. He, the, they said to him, listen, you've got to meet your quota. So this poor guy went out there and worked and worked and worked and worked. Every time the boss saw him, you've got to meet your quota. Work and work and work and work. 
But he never asked the question, what is my quota? <laughs> he just kept working and working and working. And people who can't rely on what God has done, the grace, the unmerited mercy of God, to do the work of grace in their life. Are people who say there's something I must add to it. I just got to keep on working. I don't know what the quota is. But I'll keep on working, working, working. And you become in bondage. Religious bondage. To your own self. So I want to set you free this morning. By saying this to you. When do you know you have done enough? That salesman. When would he know that he's done enough? He didn't. And if you're trying to get saved or be a better person through the works that you do. He said, Pastor, are you throwing works out the window? Not, I'll come to it next week. We're not throwing works out the window. But the work that Christ did for you is the only work that will save you. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes. And believers, listen to me. We've got this idea that I live on a merit basis. That as long as the scales tip in my favor, uh, yes, I'm guilty, but oh, I've done a lot of good works and the scale is in my favor. It reminds me when they, when they investigated the 9-11 terrorists who flew into the towers and into the Pentagon. They discovered that these young Muslim men, as ardent and as fundamental as they were, went out the night before, drank and partied and prostituted did all the things that they never really do as Muslims. <laughs> and guess what? The idea was this. We are going to do such a big work tomorrow by bombing those trade towers in the Pentagon that Allah will just see how good we are. Oh, my friends. When do you know you've done enough? They worked on that principle. Are you working on that principle? I might not make it today, but I'll do better tomorrow. Listen, you live by faith today. It's a relationship. God loves and forgives you as a Christian. He walks with you openly and gloriously. He loves you with that everlasting love. You don't have to patronize God by trying to add to his salvation. I need Jesus plus the law. I need Jesus plus my religion. No, you need Jesus only. Amen. Yes. And so... Uh, these young men believed that the balance, that great work would outweigh anything they've ever done. How did they know that? They didn't. I can tell you something today. I don't want to be in their destiny. Because it's a destiny of works. A destiny of debt. You see. Well, you, my, my Islamic friends often chat to me on the corner. And salvation for Islam is first sharada which is confession. And that's one thing they must confess, that, uh, that there's one God, Allah. And secondly, they must confess that he has a prophet by the name of Muhammad. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's just what they believe. But that's a work. If they don't do that, they can't go to heaven. Secondly, they must pray five times a day. Thirdly, they must give to the poor. And that's great. And then when Ramadan comes, they must fast and pray good and then once a year if they can or once in a lifetime they've got to go to Mecca it doesn't sound anything wrong with that can, can I ask you can any of that set you free from alcoholism can any of that take away the taint and the shame of your sin now that's all they've got in Islam 
and my friends up and I on that corner, we have this, this, this debate. What on earth are you, is that all you're doing? Have you never, you've relied on your works, those five pillars, is that all? When God's mighty grace came through Jesus Christ, of course they won't accept that. Because for them, the, the outward works are all they need. And then they're still not sure that they will receive, be received to go to heaven. Can you base your salvation on that? I can't base my salvation on that kind of assurance. Can you? There's no assurance there. Now the best story of grace is the one we find in the, in the Bhagavad Gita and among the Hindus. They also have a prodigal son. And the prodigal son lived in a very wealthy home. And he came one day and this is what he did. He, 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 he took everything that was his in the house plus and he asked his father and he left the home and went riotously for many years and did what he shouldn't do. And, and he landed in a pigsty. And eventually one day he came home. And when he got home the father took a whip and beat him. And sent him to the back room. And for said for the rest of your life you will work for nothing. And you will pay back all that you have stolen. Can I ask you a question? Is that grace? I ask you a question. Is that grace? No, it's not. It's not unmerited favor. That's punishment for the debt that he owed. And, and oh, he will say it just like those, three, those, those little guys who say, I ho, I ho, and off to work we go. They'll work and work and work and work forever and forever to work off the debt they have the debt of their sin. You cannot work off the debt of your sin with God. Remember the prodigal who came home in the Bible and Jesus gave the story? He said, I will arise and go to my father. I will say to him, I'm not worthy to be your son. That's a good sign. I'm a sinner. I'm a filthy, no good, rubbish, good. But when he gets to the father, what does he say? I just want to tell you, dad, I just want to be a servant. You can put me in the back room. I'll work it all for the rest of my life. And the father says, not on your life. Bring, bring some water. Let's wash this guy. Bring a robe. Put, it on. put a, a ring on his finger. Put sandals on his feet. Let's have a celebration. My son who was dead is alive again and, 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 and lost and is found. That's grace. And you won't find this grace in Islam. You won't find it in Hinduism, Shintoism. You won't find it in the modern post-religion. You know what you'll find? Only grace in the salvation of Jesus Christ. You'll only find it in Christianity because Christ, through God's wonderful mercy, offered grace to you and to me. Amen. Yeah. So when we look at that, we say, well, when is enough enough again? How can you be saved for your destiny? By paying it all back, there won't be enough lifetimes for you and I to pay it back. You better say amen. amen. Because God's grace has been extended to you. You say, Pastor, how would I receive grace? By faith, you trust God for the work that he's done. Amen? amen? All right. Now, if I have to think of grace again in the life of an individual in the New Testament, and he didn't work for it, and he didn't look for it, and he didn't deserve it, and he didn't earn it, was the Apostle Paul. He's on his way threatening Christians. And God, in his grace, meets this, this rebellious Pharisee on the road to Damascus. 
and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? But God didn't have to do that. He should have annihilated him in his justice. But he reached out to him in his unmerited mercy, love and favor, and won the hard heart, the callous heart of this religious Pharisee. He won him to himself. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. What would you have me do? Utter surrender to the grace of God. Hallelujah. That's what happens when you see a love so amazing, so divine. It demands your soul, your life, your all. You just cannot get away from it. My brothers and sisters, when I understand that, I look at some of today's people. Yeah, they preach the gospel, but say you better keep the seventh day, the Sabbath day. If you don't keep the Sabbath, you can't go to heaven. So what is that? It's a perfect picture of receiving Christ the Savior and keeping the law. You see, you won't be a spiritual person unless you keep the seventh day. There are thousands of them. The Sabbath day keep is the law. It's not of grace. Every day is the Lord's day. Hallelujah. And today is the special Lord's day because he rose again. A day in which we worship Christ. Remember the Jehovah's Witnesses. I've mentioned those a couple of weeks ago to you and said to you that... They go out, because they go out and knock on doors. Can I ask you this? You ask the Jehovah's Witness, have you knocked on enough doors today? They they can't tell you. They haven't done enough yet. So they'll be out tomorrow and the next day and the next day. They'll be out while we're at church, knocking on doors. Why? Because that's part of the works. It keeps them holy. It keeps them right with God. And oh, have they ever done enough? Enough? is not enough you see and I remind you today they did not know if they had done enough nor did do the Jehovah's Witnesses the Mormons are the same they don't know whether they've done it and so they're not religions of grace they're religions of works and I'll tell you the minute you do that you're cursed you're cursed you're less than nothing. As a matter of fact, the word cursed means you, you, you go to hell. That's tough language. But let me remind you, there's no other way to heaven but through the grace and the mercy of, of God. And if you don't rely on that, you're lost forever and forever. And you see, these Judaizers who said that these Gentiles must become Jews and be circumcised and live according to their custom, only then would they be true Christian. They'd missed the boat completely. And the problem is you can't earn your spirituality. And you can't maintain your spirituality by doing the works of the Lord. I'll show you why today. Firstly, the question is, what comes first? Do you know what came first, the chicken or the egg? You all went to school, come on. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Oh, God bless you. Gee, you did go to school. (laughs) Yeah, the chicken. Now that's fine. So what came first, the promise or the law? The promise or the law? Must be the promise of God because Abraham is the oldest one one in the game here. Abraham was given the promise by God, not the law. He didn't live by law. He lived in the age of conscience. 
He was called out of Ur the Chaldees. He got a wonderful saving experience with God. He experienced the mercy and the grace of God. That's what Abraham experienced. Because God had said to him, I will be your God. That's it. And beloved, as we, as we listen to the promise of God, He promised Abraham that through his seed, there would be a seed. There would be the Messiah who would come through the nation of Israel to save and set the world free. Oh, and Abraham believed God. Amen. He believed that he, he, looked, he looked forward to that. Paul, the later on, is looking backward at that. But you see, promises are not just given to be, to be put on, on a wall, a nice plaque. Promises are given to be fulfilled. Any promise made to you must be fulfilled. A promise we make is a promise we keep. Who said that? Toyota. Isn't that right? Don't you read? Toyota said, a promise we make is a promise we keep. I don't know about Reynolds, okay? Because I'm not sure. But I say this to you this morning. The promise you make is a promise you get. A promise God made was a, the promise He swore not by Abraham in agreement with Him. A promise He swore by Himself. I'll keep that promise as God to the world. Hallelujah. My promise or the promise is based on God Himself on his reliability. And you see, when you look at the word covenant, I don't believe that that's the actual good interpretation of the word. It's actually a word testament. My last will and testament. The testator would come and die and leave you the divine inheritance. The seed would come as Christ. Write out his last will and testament and leave you and I everything that we can possess in Jesus Christ. How do I possess it? First of all, I possess justification by faith. Secondly, I possess a, a life in the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God that testifies that these things are so. Amen. Amen. Yes. That's all in the grace. The great mercy and love of God our Savior. So, the promise came first. So, what's the Lord doing there, you ask me? What on earth is the Lord doing? Well, I believe this. The law helps us to understand the relationship between rules and promises. It helps us understand the relationship between rules and promises. You see, I often say this to you. What came first? Did, did the, the rules or the relationship with God? Must be the relationship. The rules come after the couple who comes to get married, they understand they understand the rules, but they don't imply, uh, put, put put the rules into practice until they say I do and I will. I don't know who does and who doesn't, but they come and say it here. And then after they had the relationship, there must be the rules. They they, they keep those rules how out of love one for another. That's the important part. Of this salvation. So one of the things I wanted to point out to you. That the law. Was temporary. It's not permanent. If you read the 19th verse with me. It says what purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions. Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels. By the hand of a mediator. What is he saying? That the law was given. 
in addition to the promise. The promise is this. You have to be justified by faith. You can't be justified before God by works. So stop working your salvation. You, those works don't work. Amen. You're justified by putting your faith in the finished work of Christ. And that's the problem with Islam and Hinduism. It won't trust Christ to forgive their, their sin. That's the problem with you and me. We won't continue to trust Christ to live in us and live through us. We want to add something to our daily Christian experience through works. Now listen, how would I keep the law? Because I love the Lord. There's a difference. I don't keep it to keep Him pleased. I keep it because I love Him and He is pleased. Amen. That makes the difference. So beloved, here we come this morning. We notice this. The law is temporary. It's conditional. What does the law say? If you do this and this and this, you will live. So that law is conditional. If you keep the law, especially if you honor your parents, you'll have a long life. Oh, a lot of people are just keeping that one. They're realizing they broke all the others. <laughs> it's a problem. But let me move on and say this. That the promise is unconditional. You don't have to come having fixed it all up with God. You say, Pastor, that sounds crazy. Can I come just as I am? You're loved no matter what. I deal with druggies and dropouts on the streets daily. And they say, I'm too bad to come to Jesus. I've got to fix something up. I said, don't even try to fix it. It'll be a bigger mess than ever before. Just come as you are. That's what grace says. Come as you Oh, just as you are. Do you believe that? Amen. If you believe that, then start living that, accepting that, and trusting God for that. You see, Abraham became a righteous man. How? Not by keeping the law. There was no law. And that's Paul's argument with the Judaizers. The law was temporary. And that you had to put your faith where? Not in the rules. But faith in the promise of God. My brothers and sisters, you put faith in the promise of God and you will experience the blessings of God. The blessing of Abraham is in Christ. Christ is in God and God is in Christ. And Christ is in you and me. And oh, the blessing is that God's life is in us. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes. The law cannot change the promise. Why? Because the, the promise came first. No matter what you do, the law cannot change the promise. To Abraham, he was justified by faith. If you take the law and you say, now I'm going to try and get right with God here. You'll keep all the commandments and all the ceremonial law and you'll just make it for one day. And, oh, and then you realize, I slipped up on covetousness. I wanted more money than I've got. And I broke the law. The word transgression means you are a lawbreaker. You broke the law before God. Therefore, you can't be justified by the law. Because the law shows you that you're a law breaker. Now, not many of us like that. And that means you're imperfect. So you can't present yourself to God as truly spiritual. Well, come, come a little further with me. Verse 11 tells us this. And if you hang in there with me, we'll get through it very quickly. It says, verse 11, it says this, But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live 
by faith. You don't have to believe the law to know that you're a sinner. Do you? How many in this building have never sinned? Put your hand up. Oh, you bunch of saints. Okay. How many of you have never lied? Oh, that's the second lie you've just told. You know that? Because why? You know, the Bible says, <laughs> we're all liars. We're all... Okay, it doesn't mean to say because you tell a lie that you're just a liar. No, you're a sinner. That's why you tell little white ones. Isn't that right? But don't let me get too harsh on it, but to say this to you. No one is justified by the law. And God in Jesus Christ has said to you and to me that you can have the fulfillment of my promise. Not because you've done anything to accomplish it, but because I accomplished everything for you. You need to be cleansed and the law can't cleanse you. The law can't change the promise because it's not here for good. Let me move on and and share this with you. Verse 18 tells us, as we're coming to a close, it says, For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise, but God gave it by Abraham. When I put my faith and trust in Christ, I said to you, that last will and testament became mine. The minute Christ died, I got a copy of it through the word of God. I am entitled to all that God has in Christ for me. Amen? So what does it say? Oh, but how did I get that, that testament? Through keeping the law? Oh, no, no, no. My kids always say to me, are, are we good enough? Am, am I the best one? Have you got me on the top of your will? I'm going to inherit everything. You see, you see the way kids work? They want to be your favorite. and want, They want this and that and the next thing from you. Isn't that right? And we try the same gig with God. You can't have, you can't have the inheritance by anything that you do. Did you work for your inheritance if you've ever got one? You can't work for an inheritance. Remember the rich young ruler comes to Jesus. And he's in the dust. He's he's, he's a Jewish young man. Puts his face in the dust and says, Dear Lord, dear Master, what must I do to inherit? He uses specifically, inherit eternal life. Because, you see, you can't pay for it in any way. And you can't have a sum of, of good works to say, Well, I've achieved it, so you owe me. No, an inheritance is absolutely free. It comes on the gracious favor of the testator who has died and leaves you that in his will. And so he says to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And of course, Jesus goes through the commandments. He says, I've kept all those except for the one. He didn't realize he was covetous. He wanted what others had so much. The sad thing about that young man He could never receive freely because he was legalistic. He was governed by the law. That principle. I have to do something. I have to pay my own debt. He didn't come to Jesus and accept freely the gift of eternal life. And so he walks away sad. How many of you trying to fix it up? Instead of coming and casting yourself on the mercy of God. And saying to him, save me by your grace. Set me free from this bondage. In Jesus' precious name. Hallelujah. Yes. 
You see, the next thing I want us to notice is the law requires a mediator. And when the law was given on Mount Sinai, the first time God wrote it, I guess he wrote it through the mediation of angels. But he wrote the law. Then he gave the law to the other mediator, Mount Moses. And the law was given to the people. So God is the witness. He's the one. The angels and Moses are the two mediators with God. And the people receive the law. But I want you to notice when the promise is given to Abraham, there is no mediator. It doesn't mean to say, I've got to go through Moses. Notice what the Jews always said. The law of Moses, the law of Moses. Always went back to Moses and what he did. And many of us are just like that. We go back to the law of my church, the law of my church, or the law of my religion. Listen, you can take that old religious book I want to share with you this morning. The only, the only thing that you and I need to look at is the grace of Almighty God. He offered that free and wonderful grace to who? To you and to me. Grace comes through God's great offer. What does he want us to do? The law required that mediator. You see, the promise came by faith directly with God. You didn't have to have a mediator with God. But with the law, there were two mediators. The angels and Moses. Let me go back a little bit and say this to you. There are religions that teach you that you can't have your sins forgiven unless you confess it to a priest. Who then goes to the Pope and says, listen, all these things need to be be put into absolution. That's talk. Absolute rubbish. That's what the Bible gets at here. That's law. You go directly to God, who is the mediator of your, your sin and mine, through Jesus Christ. And there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. There's no other way to be righteous but to receive His forgiveness and His righteousness in your life. Hallelujah. No man. No man can say you're absolved from this sin. Unless he says it on the basis of faith in Jesus Christ through the word of God. But no priest, no pope can take that honor on himself. So I'm saying this to you today. As the law required a mediator, it took away the mediator. uh, 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 The promise took away the mediator and we could go directly to God. And some of you need to get this as well. It's not only the pastor that can pray for your healing. It's not only the pastor that can lay hands on you and pray that the Lord assist you. You can go directly to God. That's what's in the promise. If you believe God. Yes. Yes. My prayer today is that we'd open up our eyes and begin to realize faith takes me into the throne room to address Him and to trust Him completely. You see, the law is a sad thing, really. It cannot provide life. Verse 21. Uh, Is the law then against the promise of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. My brothers and sisters, there isn't a good work that you can do that can pay your debt. There isn't a good work that you can do that can be put above the work that God has done in Christ. Have you ever accepted God's gracious offer? And you see, the law cannot provide love. When you come to the law, what does it do to you? 
Read it. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Hey, Lord, I haven't loved you. I've loved my wife and I've loved my kids. I've loved my liquor and I've loved my, my dog more than I've loved you. Is that right? That's, that's who we are. Our affection is for this world, he said. God is a bystander. Thou shalt love the Lord the God. What about adultery? What about fornication and sin? Let me tell you something. When you stand by the Lord, what, the, the Lord, what are you? There are no promises from the Lord. No promises of freedom. The law is like the justice or the, the cop who takes you and puts you into prison. And he holds you there. And what do you feel there? Guilty. Guilty as charged. Does the law tell lies? Uh-uh, it tells you not to. <laughs> the law holds you to the truth of the law. And you have a conscience. And that conscience bugs you over and over until it dies. But the law is still there. And though, even though you're dead in your sin, the law and its, in its principle will condemn you in the day of judgment. But the law has no mercy. I go to prison and I see guys there and they say to me, does the law make me a sinner, Pastor? I don't want the law, it makes me a sinner. I said, no, no, no. You were a sinner before the law was given. You were a lawbreaker before the, uh, the law was given. And then you read there that, oh, look at all the things that I do. I must be one of these. The law, as it were, became the magnifying glass that focused on your heart and your life and just focused on all those sins that you intend to commit and have committed. It's the mirror. The law is the mirror that does what? Reflects your sinful. Have you stood in front of the mirror and said, gee whiz, that can't be me. You don't even believe that? That's what most people do. I can't be the sinner that the Bible says I am. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. God doesn't make mistakes through His law. It was a mirror intended to reflect the sin you've committed. What are you going to do about the sin that you've lived in? Cry for mercy. Cry for grace. That's what every Jewish person did. As they came to realize the, the seed had come. The Messiah had come. Jesus Christ had come. And we need no longer be imprisoned by the law in the guilt and the shame of our own sin. We can be set free, justified by faith. Hallelujah. So come this morning and let's rejoice in that which Christ has done for us. Our prayers we finish today. What does the Lord do finally? He prepares the way for Christ. If you've understood anything of the Old Testament law, you would realize that it, it, it zeroes in on the problem God has with you. You've sinned against me. And there's nothing I can do for you unless you trust me to save you from your sin. And who brought you to the consciousness of your sin? The law. The law is good as long as it's applied in the right way. It's good for your life. But it can't save you. But oh, the promise, the promise of God in Jesus Christ, 
can justify you. You can be saved by His grace and His mercy today. All you've got to do is say, Lord, I put my trust in you to break these bonds. Faith opens the door. Prayer releases you. And what happens? You come into the presence of God and you become His son or His daughter. Amen. Yes. Closing then, we want to say this. There's a little verse in verse 23 that tells us a couple of things which are interesting. It says, but before faith came, we were kept under God by the law, which I've explained to you. Kept for the, kept for the faith which would be afterward revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ. What is he saying here? The law is like the schoolmaster. Now, it's, it's not a good translation, but it, it, it'll suffice for today if we explain it to you. Actually, the law is your custodian. And if a, if, if a slave owner had a slave, he'd put him in charge of his children. And that slave owner, uh, that slave, had the right to bring those children up. He had to discipline them, teach them, take them to school, bring them back, feed them, bath them, make sure they were ready for presentations and parades. That's what he had to do with those kids. But there comes a time when those kids have grown up that the custodian is not needed anymore. Why? They mature. They're adults. All that they learn, they can act upon. Isn't that right? They don't need the custodian or the slave. They don't need the law to correct them and to teach them. By the way, the law is not for righteous people. The law is for the unrighteous, lawless people who can't keep God's law through His grace and through His mercy. And so the schoolmaster, the law, brought me to the brink of adulthood in Christ. I've grown up. I can accept by faith the truth about myself and experience salvation. That's the purpose of the law. Amen? Oh, my brother and sister, is there anything you can do to save yourself? Absolutely nothing. What Christ did is enough, will always be enough, and you'll never, ever exhaust the grace of God. Amen? Let's bow in prayer together. God bless you. As we bow in prayer, we realize this, that in Jesus Christ, there is this promise. And if we receive that promise by faith, then we are in Christ. And Christ is in us. That means, as it were, we've put on the garment of righteousness. And the greatest blessing of faith in the grace of God is that we will have peace with God. My prayer this morning as we bow in in this place, it's hard to put all our trust in Him and say, in you and you alone I trust. But that's all that can save you. Would you put your trust in Jesus completely this morning? Because you see, Jesus Christ is your altar at the cross. 
Jesus Christ is your high priest. He's praying for you in heaven. Jesus Christ is your sacrifice, which still atones for your sin. Jesus Christ is your king, eternal, forever and ever. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. It's all in Christ. Would you put on Christ by faith in Jesus, asking him to do that for you today? And be saved, that means be set free from the bondage that's caused your guilt and caused your shame. Oh, let him forgive you. Let him cleanse you. Let him deliver you. Set you free from the prison of the law. And cleanse your life. And make it sin free. In Jesus' name. So we bow in prayer. You say, Pastor, I've struggled. I've struggled to try to improve my life. I've been to every uh, I can do it program. I've been to every self-improvement program. Oh, this morning, won't you come to the grace program? That's where you put your trust in Christ and experience. Just as if you'd never sinned. The freedom from your guilt and shame. Don't let it haunt you. Don't let it cause you sleepless nights. Don't let it keep you in bondage. Don't let it isolate you. Come to Christ and lay it at his feet and say, Lord Jesus, thank you for showing me through the law my sin, but save me by your grace. Your heart is moved. Your life is ready for a decision to trust Christ this morning. All you've got to do is respond in faith. Say, I believe, I trust you now, Lord. I receive. Is anybody? Just raise your hand. I want to be saved by your grace. I want, you to, uh, I want you to do that now for me, Lord, today. Just raise your hand and give God that eternal chance to do that eternal work in your life this morning. Because that's what He came to do. Would you trust Him? Would you trust Him? Do it now. Just raise your hand. I'll pray for you. God bless you. Is there anybody else this morning? Anybody else today? Yes, Lord Jesus. Thank you. God bless you. Anybody else this morning? Go on. It's all by grace. Stop trying to improve it. Stop trying to change it. Stop trying to improve it.